0: In Christ Jesus. You know just as God's people. God's ancient people had been waiting. They had been waiting in silence. There was no prophetic uh, 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 message. Coming to the people for 400 years. Until Christ appeared. They were waiting for the Messiah. You know so too for us. Every Advent season like we are in at the moment. Is a reminder or should be. A, a reminder and a call to us. To faithfully wait and quietly expect God's intervention in our own personal lives and in, in human history. And Titus 3, 4, and 5 summarizes the reason why we can wait and hope. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. You see, God is kind. God loves us. God has the power to save us. He acts out of mercy and grace, not as we deserve So we can wait without pretending that we have it all together. And we can wait with a certain hope. The kindness of God has appeared. And is appearing and will yet appear. Because Advent is also a time for each of us who call ourselves Christians. To consider both of the Advents of Jesus. Advent signifies the season of his first coming as the Christ child. But God has told us in his word there will be a second Advent when Jesus will come again as a victorious king to finally usher in the kingdom of God with all of its blessings. God's peace and justice will fill the earth. There'll be no more sorrow, no more tears. People will turn implements of war into tools to produce food as is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall there be, shall they learn war anymore. And I say amen to that. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You know, it's easy for, for, for those of us who live in relative safety and comfort and prosperity to neglect this godly hope for the coming of the kingdom and all of its blessings and benefits. But this hope and peace and joy is to be kindled within each one of us and kept alive, especially when we reach out to share life with and to care for and to be kind to those who are in need. When we see people as God sees them, the hungry and the homeless, those who are victims of injustice or oppression, those who suffer from sickness or sadness or simple loneliness, instead of being so self-absorbent as, as we are at this time of the year. you know, Advent can be a time to touch those in need, and it's tremendous that this church has, has a ministry uh, at this time of year to give out food and, and, and Christmas hampers and whatever uh, need can be met. But let me remind you that Advent is also a season of hope that culminates, of course, in the angelic declaration of peace on earth and goodwill kindness towards all men you see kindness matters in everyone's lives kindness matters to God and no one has been kinder to us than God has listen in the first place he didn't have to create us in the second place Once man sinned, he didn't have to make a plan whereby man could be forgiven and and saved and restored and go to heaven. And God didn't have to send his son to seek and to save us, but he did it. Why? Because he's kind. He's kind to us. Romans 2 and 4 says, Oh, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Did you realize that that's what God's kindness is all about? To lead you to repentance. If God was like us, <laughs> if God was like us, He wouldn't put up with our stupidity and our stubbornness towards Him and to do His will, but He's patient and He's tolerant. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't be able to be saved in the first place. In fact, the scripture not only says that he's kind, but he's full of loving kindness. As the people of God returned from exile uh, on the completion of Jerusalem's walls, and we studied that through Nehemiah some time ago, Ezra reminded the people in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. You did not forsake us. You see, he's not only kind, he's full of loving kindness. A teacher once asked uh, her pupils to describe the meaning of loving kindness. And a little boy jumped up and he said, well, if I was hungry and someone gave me a piece of bread, that would be kindness. But if they put a little bit of jam on it, that would be loving kindness. Reminded again this Advent season that God has demonstrated both kindness and loving kindness. His coming to the earth is his way of putting jam on his loving kindness, on our, uh, the jam of his loving kindness on our lives. You know, as I studied the scriptures dealing with kindness and, and, and loving kindness, I was shocked to find that the Bible teaches that God's concept of, of kindness doesn't come easily to us we don't naturally exhibit God's type of kindness Romans 3 and 12 tells us all have turned away they have become altogether worthless there is no one that does good and you know that word good is the same word that's translated kindness in other scriptures not even one the scripture says So the Bible teaches us that there is no one who is naturally or naturally does kind things. In fact, Christians are urged to constantly seek to be kinder in their lives. Colossians 3 and 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And of course, according to the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 when God gives directions to us about how, how to love and how to be loving, He rates kindness at the very top of that, near the very top of that list. Love is patient. Love is kind. That's right. Years ago, uh, there was a movie that came out. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it's called Shallow Hal, about a really shallow middle-aged man named Hal who judged everyone by the way that they looked. But then one day he got stuck in a lift with a kind of a motivational guru who uh, kind of hypnotized him and helped him to overcome his shallowness uh, so that from then on he, he sees only the inner beauty of everyone. And that's the premise of the movie. And although as a movie it's, it's shallow itself in many ways, it's a reminder that this is the way that God sees all of us. God is not shallow in any manner or means. He doesn't notice our weight. He doesn't notice what we look like. Or if he does, we look very beautiful to him. You know, years ago we used to sing, I don't know if you know this chorus, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wonderful passion and purity. Oh, thou spirit divine, all my nature refine till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. When Jesus comes into our lives He gives us an extreme makeover. He sees the person we are inside and he sees the person we can become. And he loves us because he sees the image of his son in us. He sees the Holy Spirit living in us. And he's looking to see how much we're growing daily, more and more into the likeness of his son. And one of those characteristics that he's looking for, one of the measures of our Christ-likeness is kindness. God shows us his unmeasured, his unconditional kindness, mercy, and grace, even in the face of our habitual sin and sinning, offering us complete forgiveness and the restoration of our hearts and minds and souls through our obedience and our submission to him. He's done all the work. Jesus paid the debt for our sin, the debt that we could never pay. All we have to do is accept his kindness and return his love to him, expressed in our kindness to other people. We'll look further at that tonight when we look at the Beatitude about mercy and being merciful. In the New Testament, the Greek word translated kindness signifies goodness in action. It's God's goodness expressed in his kindness towards man, it's God's goodness prompted by his grace and compassion. And in the account of King David's kindness to the man called Mephibosheth in Second Samuel, we have a type or a, or a picture of God's kindness uh, to all mankind. First of all, we have a, a demonstration of the king's kindness. It says in 2 Samuel 9 verse 1, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? In other words, David's lips revealed what was in his heart because some 20 years before, you can read about it in 1 Samuel 20, David had made a covenant with Jonathan and promised not only to show kindness to Jonathan himself but also to any of Jonathan's household. And since the covenant was made, Jonathan and his father Saul had died in battle on Mount Gilboa, but they had a descendant who was now an orphan. Mephibosheth, who was lame on both feet. David asked for this this, uh, young man to be brought to the palace. He wants to see him. And you know, I believe that Mephibosheth would, would, would never forget that day. His grandfather and father have already passed away. He's an orphaned nobody. Crippled orphan at that. But now the king has asked to see him. And he must have been a little bit fearful, because in those times it was quite common when a, when a king took the throne, he would eliminate the family of the king that was before him to prevent a future rebellion or, or other problems cropping up. But the first words that David said to him were these, "Don't be afraid." And he proceeds to show him kindness, restoring to him all the land that belonged to his grandfather Saul. And David expands his kindness to loving kindness by inviting this young man to sit with him at every meal. You see, Mephibosheth found grace that day, or, or, or more accurately, I suppose, grace found him. He didn't seek the king. The king sought him out. He didn't do anything to earn it. He just received it. And even though he felt small and crippled and, and unworthy, he ended up spending the rest of his life Sharing the same table as the king. got what a prince would have received because the king showed kindness. And today you and I are blessed because God has been kind to us, hasn't he? It's The grace of God that finds us. It's not that we were looking for God. He was the one looking for us. He came because of his promise and because he loves us. He didn't, uh, we didn't do anything to deserve it. In fact, Romans 5 tells us that while we were even sinners and enemies of God, that Christ died for us. And you know, the literal meaning of this young man's name is breathing out shame. And you know, every unsaved person is in a condition of shame before a holy God. This young man had suffered from a fall in his infancy, and he was helpless to get to the king on his own. And what a picture this is of of the natural man. We too have suffered from a fall. The fall of Adam. And Mephibosheth would not have been able to reach the king himself. He couldn't walk. And so David's men had to go and find him and carry him back to the king. His handicap and his past left him feeling worthless and useless. And he called himself, in fact, we read it, he said he was a dead dog. But now he realizes that he has value in the eyes of the king. And he, like every lost sinner, needed the kindness of the king. And David was willing to show him kindness, even loving kindness, for Jonathan's sake. And so too, God is willing to forgive every sinner who believes in his son. And Paul says in Ephesians four thirty-two, "For God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. We too have value in the eyes of God. We're precious to him because he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die for us. And as this grandson of Saul Uh, you know he actually belonged to an enemy household Saul had been a, a perpetual enemy of David and so this young man was therefore an enemy by parentage and folks your parentage and mine goes back to Adam and because of the sin of Adam we're all put in the category of sinners and it says in Romans 5 and 12 wherefore as by one man that is Adam sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed on all men. For all have sinned. And we are reminded. Of the presence of sin. Sin entered the world. We are reminded of the penalty of sin. Death by sin. Death passed on all men. We are reminded of the pattern of sin. All have sinned. No exceptions. And notice it also says of Mephibosheth. Verse 4. He is in the house of Makir. And makir means sold. Reminding us again that every every sinner is, as Romans 7 and 14 says, sold or a slave under sin. And yet our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our great Redeemer, has paid the necessary redemption price by shedding his own precious blood to buy every sinner who believes in him out of the slave market of sin. Oh, how kind God is to us, if we would but realize it. It also says of this young man that he lived, in verse 4, it says, in Lodabar. And and Lodabar means a place that is barren or without pasture. And it reminds us that the world has nothing to sustain our soul. It's barren. It says in Psalm 68, verse 6, the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land, a spiritually desolate place. But this young man, He was restored to that of royalty. All the land and everything that belonged to Saul and his family was given back to him. And not only that, he was given a position of being in the family. David the king regards him as one of his own. Verse 11 says, So he ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And it even says in verse 13, He always ate at the king's table. And to eat together at the same table means that he would have had personal time with the king. He will always have the king's ear, so to speak, his attention every day. David made it clear that this position wasn't just to be an occasional experience. It was to be always. He always sat at the king's table, continually, as long as David sat on the throne. Mephibosheth would never have to worry about anyone taking his seat away because he would have a permanent place. Notice he was brought from Lodabar to Jerusalem, from a place without pasture to a place of plenty. Oh, the kindness of God, the kindness of God. The duration of the king's kindness wasn't just for a day or a week or a month or a year. It was always, it was continually for as long as the king was ruling. And listen, God's kindness to you and to me when we're saved by his grace, is eternal because God's salvation is eternal. Ephesians 2 and 7 says that in the ages to come, he, that is God, might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. In other words, God's display of grace and kindness to his own will remain undiminished as long as time will last. It's eternal. Oh, what a future. What a future. The believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has to look forward to. We will be forever receivers of his eternal kindness. Isn't that a great thing? That's an encouraging thing. All these blessings came to this young man at no charge to himself. But they did cost David a great deal. Kindness identifies with people in their pain, in their problems, in their weaknesses, and if I want to show God's kindness to others, I have to be willing to walk in their shoes, so to speak, to feel what they feel, to hurt when they hurt, and then to move to do something to help relieve their suffering. You see, it's costly to be kind. For the rest of this young man's natural life, David paid all his expenses for him and his family, as well as for his servants, it says. Yet it was a cost that David gladly Paid to demonstrate the grace and the loving kindness and the love of God towards Jonathan's son. To be kind is to be gracious. To be kind is to be easy on other people. It will mean bearing another's burden, sharing or even carrying their load, like the Good Samaritan who placed the wounded uh, victim. On his own beast of burden. And paid the bill for his medical treatment. And then pulled out his credit card. And said whatever else he needs. Make sure he gets it. It cost him to be kind. It cost him time and effort. And money and inconvenience. And yet kindness. Cares more. For others than self. Kindness works for the welfare. Of the one who is loved. In fact it takes. The courage of Calvary. To be kind. Kindness looks beyond the faults of others. Sees their need and strives to meet that need. God's grace just wouldn't just make us his servants or members of the royal priesthood, although serving him is really what we ought to do. But God wants us to show that we are his sons and daughters by serving him. And that should be our privilege and our honor because of the way in which He has served us and shown us his loving kindness. We've received so much from God in his kindness and coming to save us. Let's be a people who in turn are continually willing to show God's kindness to others by sharing his love and his grace to the many people that are spiritually, physically, emotionally crippled around us. And there are many. Those who are hurting and struggling today. Kindness Go to Mulna Hinch tonight and to sing Christmas carols. It was kindness last week to go to Drum Bear and do the same. Kindness actively seeks to do good to the object of love without expecting favours in return. Being kind means doing good with no expectation of reward. If you're looking for a, some bit of a payback for anything that you do for others, that's not kindness. That's just bargaining. Kindness is to say, in one manner or another, I love you and God loves you with no strings attached. Love is kind even to the unkind, gentle to those who are harsh and unsympathetic. Kindness returns a soft answer when criticized unjustly or falsely accused or maligned. Kindness forgives the most heinous of sins. Restores the most wayward sinner, reaches out to the most unlovely, treating them better than they think they deserve, or we think they deserve. Folks, there are people living somewhere out in the world, somewhere between Low Debar, a barren place, and you may as well say Timbuktu, spiritually lost and lonely, and God is expecting. God is asking you and I, his servants, to try a little kindness. Let me ask you, is there anyone else out there whom you can show his kindness and his love? Is there anyone in Monaghan or in the vicinity of this church that's lost and struggling, wounded and alone? God says, do you know anyone like that? That I can send my servants to them to invite them to come home? The kindness of David towards this young crippled man was a, a foreshadowing of the kindness of God revealed in sending his only begotten Son, Jesus, when heaven came to earth. Loving kindness. Will you seek to lift up someone today or tomorrow? be so consumed with the commercialism of Christmas that you'll forget about everybody else except your own self David was prepared to show the kindness of God for Jonathan's sake can I ask you are you prepared to show kindness towards someone else for God's sake plenty of need out there and I'm sure there's ways that you can find to help meet that need by showing kindness in any little way that you can. It may be a letter, it may be a card, it may be a gift, it may be spending some time to sit down with someone that you know is lonely and needs a listening ear. There's So many ways.